coming this morning, let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. As we sang America the Beautiful, it said, because you shed your blood on us, God. Your blood and your grace was shed upon this country to make it who it is and to make us who we are, that we are free this morning to call upon the name of Jesus. Lord, they're speaking against Christians. They're speaking that we are more evil than Hamas, God. Lord, because they don't know the true love of Jesus this morning, because they don't know true freedom this morning, Father. Lord, as we come into your house this morning, God, may we realize this morning, Lord, without, the, without Jesus Christ ahead of this country, Father, there is no freedom. And Father, we thank you this morning for every man that stood in front of this place. And part of that song says, because they loved mercy more than life. They wanted to show mercy to us, God. And Lord, we thank you this morning, God, that there is still people in the field, Lord, that is willing to give their life for this country. Father, may we give our life for you this morning as you gave your life for us, God. Let us give our life back to you this morning, Father. We give you praise this morning. And Father, we pray that you would touch the altar service. If there be one that doesn't know you this morning, that they would come to the Savior grace, Lord, that they would know you as their personal Savior. We thank you this morning, but God, we ask you this morning more than anything, open up our hearts and our minds. Let us worship you this morning, Father, and let's give you praise. And Lord, we honor you for who you are and for thank you for being with us each and every day. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we say amen. All alone and broken hearted And the troubles that batter my mind In search of many answers That my troubled soul just couldn't seem to find I saw flower blooming where there no rain or sunshine. Praise God. And I knew not that this flower could change the rest of my life. I found a lily in my valley. I found strength when I was warm. From the storm, oh, a place where I trained my dark skies to beaming rays of sunshine. I found a lily in my valley, and he blooms all the time. If you're down and broken hearted and you just can't seem to find peace of mind, 
you're searching for your answers, but your problems are getting worse all the time. Oh, just lift your hand to Jesus. He'll take you in and break the ties that bind. Praise God. You'll be the lily in your valley, and you can watch him bloom all the time. He'll be When you're warm, you'll be the place to share your burdens. He'll be the refuge from the storm. Yes, you can go to work. Yes, you can have education. All that's fine. There's a place. But number one has to be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And he'll be the lily of your valley. When there's bumps and bruises and trials and everything comes up, he'll be the one. And he blooms all the time. That's what he blooms all the time. He blooms all the time. He's the one that gives you hope. His grace is sufficient. Praise God. Amen. So if you're down and broken hearted and you just can't seem to find peace of mind. You're searching for your answers but your problems are getting worse all the time. Oh, just lift your hand to Jesus. He'll take you in and break the ties that bind. He'll be the lily in your valley and you can watch him bloom all the time. 
Oh 
talking about the blood um, that would cover sins. And um, it rem- there was a part that we were reading this morning that it reminded me of um, the woman who had had the disease where she was bleeding for 12 years. Um, and just her faith that healed her. She just touched Jesus' garment and she was made clean. Um, so just that, that desperation and that faith. So be, be desperate and work for the Lord and be faithful um, because he's worth it. So this is just a song to help you ponder on how great he is. Your only son, no sin to hide, but you have sent him from your side to walk upon this guilty side and to become the Lamb of God, your gift of Crucified, they laughed and scorned him as he died. The humble king they named a fraud and sacrificed the Lamb of God. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God, I love the me in 
wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus there's not a reading room there's not a Buddha that you can rub that belly there is not a false God that you can pray to that will take away the sin but the blood of Jesus applied to the doorpost of your heart where no sin can enter in that will take away your sin King of glory that pursues me with his love and haunts me with each hearing of his softly spoken word. My conscience a reminder of forgiveness that I Thank you. 
Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than
bless you. Thank you so much for coming here today. We thank you for being in the house of God with us this morning. Wasn't God good through the songs talking about magnifying and lifting up the name of Jesus? Lily in the valley. I speak power. I speak that name of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, just a mention of that name as Sister Becky closed up the song service this morning. We thank God for what he's done. We thank God for what he's going to do. We trust him in all of his ways. As the crowd kind of settles back down, those going out, those coming in, I'm going to throw a curveball on a couple people that I was unprepared to tell you, but just roll with it. And we ask it, Sister Reagan. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Sister Reagan. I'd like you to talk with your grandma and maybe pray about helping us with the song service at the end of the altar call song. God lays something upon your heart. You were just on my mind up there, and I, I think you got a song. If I'm wrong, God forgive me. And if you don't have one, Grandma will have one for sure. But we want to thank the Lord for what he's done and what he's going to do. And I believe in all the things that God is doing. How many of you have been here for a while? I think we've been here since 2007-ish, Vondi? 2006. And one of the first times that I ever stood behind this pulpit where Brother James Pruitt asked me to stand up on a Sunday night, I don't know if many of you remember the statement that I made, and that statement still rings true today, that I ask you that, you know, you may not like everything that is going to be said, you may not like everything that's going to be done, but I put a challenge upon you, just take home one thing. Just allow yourself to take home one thing today that God perhaps gives you. It might be that he just loves you, or it might be that he's encouraging you. But I, I, I put forth that challenge that, you know, just one thing. There are so many great, great people here at this church that could be standing here behind this. Brother Carl, I, my, my wife always tells me and others tell me they just love hearing Brother Carl. It's not that they don't like others, but Brother Carl, a fire and a passion but he says, you know, he's just a little unstable. And he, just, he said the other night, he said, I might get up there and fall down. But I said, but you'd be falling down in the name of the Lord, so that would be good. Brother Bill, his heart is, has still desire to carry the word of God, but physically he's just not able. So what God has given this church right now is those that he's given us. And we're growing and doing the best that we can. We're praying for Brother Andy already. Two weeks, Brother Andy's going to be doing the Sunday morning service. Brother Randy's going to be helping us in some of the Sunday evening services, and we'll see where we go from there. All these guys are busy doing so many other things. Randy is going to the nursing home today. So it isn't like we're trying to skip folks and run over folks, but we're trying to work within their availability. So pray for them that God would use them in these next couple weeks. But as I introduce this message, I ask you just to take home one thing. And if we ever give a sermon a title or ever give it a name, today we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number 15. And I want to speak to you this morning. I felt God had laid it upon my heart, the value of one. The value of one. Jesus had just been dealing with those prior to these other chapters about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, about their argument of whether to meet with sinners or even dine with them or even talk to them or have any relationship with them. But Jesus kept going forth and ministering to those of need and going out and ministering to those that had value, whether others saw their value or not. 
And he gives us three parables in the book of Luke chapter number 15 that are so familiar with many of us, but yet they still need to be visited. And I pray that as we look into them this morning, we see about the one sheep, the one coin, and the one son. The value that each one of them had in the eyes of our Lord and Savior. The 99 are great. There's nothing that was ever wrong with the 99. But he said, if one be lost, I will go to find. It's not that others are less important. I love the 99. But the value of one was upon the heart of our Lord and Savior and said, I need to minister to that one. Now, there may be, I don't know, I'm not going to attempt to do a quick count, but maybe 100 people here today, maybe 150, I don't know. This message might not be for 99% of you. It may go in one ear and out the other. You may not value anything that I have to say this morning. Not that it's a personal thing. It's not that you don't like or whatever. But this message may not be for you this morning. But it may be for one. It may be for one. It may be for one soul here this morning who is laying in the balance. It may be for that one that is on the precipice of maybe making it or not making it. It may just be for the one. The 99 are not any less important. You're not of non-value. But there may be one. One this morning that needs to hear the word that the Lord has given to us this morning. It tells us in Luke 15 verse 1, it says, If he loses one, doth he not leave the 99 and go after that which is lost until he finds it? In Luke 15. Jesus starts this chapter out saying, Then drew he near unto the publican sinners to, for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners, and he even eats with them. And he spake a parable and saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? The value of one. The value of one. And my second curveball this morning that's probably going to get me in trouble. Sister April, I just can't get you off my mind. I was sitting there. God's told me to ask you to bless the message and ask God to pray for the message this morning. Amen. Luke chapter 15, we see the parables of three lost conditions that all needed to be addressed. All that were very important of the eyes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Every one of these people are setting forth an example of a lost condition where our Lord and Savior cared for them so much that he went out to find those within that lost condition. He was accused of receiving sinners and even eating with them. And I know that it's not a popular thing within the church world to say, well, you talk with sinners and deal with sinners. Well, let me tell you something. All of you were lost at one time. All of you at one time would be classified what is to be a sinner. At one time, you did not know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You asked Him to forgive you of your sins and restore a relationship unto Him. And I hate to say this, I'm sure there's many times that even though you have a faith and a life that follows him, there's times that you fall short. 
Because it even tells us in the book of John, if any of you fall short, we have an advocate with the Father. So the Lord deals with the aspect of those that fall and fall short and are not necessarily perfect. You know, I was looking at the message of the cross this morning. Listen, Brother Lauren Larson was telling me, he says, yeah, there's no perfect ones. All of, all of us are sinners and there's people that still have things within their life that God is purging out and working with and dealing with and, and dealing with them in these matters. It doesn't mean that you've accepted them and you want to actively live in them, but they are being purged out of your life. And God is dealing with you in these aspects. You're growing where God has planted you, but you are not yet perfected. You are being conformed to the image of His Son, but that confirmation sometimes is a hard, is a hard process. God's cutting away, God's working, God's dealing, God's taking out, God's putting in. God's filling himself up in you as you get rid of more of you in yourself and God begins to do that work. You may fall short at times. You may mess up at times. You may have things in your life that you wouldn't want. But the Spirit of God has revealed them unto you that you need to get them under the blood. But all this is in complete alignment with why Jesus came. It tells us in Luke 2.49 that I must be about my father's business. See, Jesus didn't come to set up megachurches or to do programs or to have concerts. Not that these things are all bad. I'm not saying any of these are evil. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he says to his own mother and father, he told them, he said, Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I'm not here to endorse the law and the Pharisee, uh, the Pharisee and the Sadducee system. I'm here, <coughs> excuse me, to seek and to say that which was lost. We see that in Luke 19:10. The righteous of that day had issues with Jesus ministering to the lost. Isn't that crazy? The righteous of that day had issue with Jesus ministering to the lost. But that was his job. I must be about my father's business. And I think that he sets us forth an example for us as a body of Christ to follow. I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to ask you in your own time because there's 30 verses and I don't want to take up time to read 30 verses. But you're very familiar with these passages. If not, I'd ask you to read them. Look into them. But Jesus begins to talk about three conditions of lostness in Luke 15, expressing so deeply his concern for the one that would be lost. Expressing his desire so much to reach that one that was not yet in the Father's fold. That one that was not there. That one that had not yet been restored unto the Father. Or that one that had perhaps even weighed astray. And we're going to talk about that this morning. The first thing that Jesus wanted us to realize, and he himself realized, and we must be aware of this, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, the loss exists. You know, Andy, we live in a world where the, everybody thinks they're going to heaven. I mean, if I, if I, I'm not going to, but if I went through this crowd this morning, how many are going to heaven? Oh, we all are. You know, God loves us. You know, God loves everybody. He's not going to send anybody to hell. God wouldn't do that. Well, read John 5. Because God in that word, he says, 
It's not me that casts forth the judgment. It is what you've done with my son that brings forth the judgment. He has that call. Whether you've accepted or rejected him, I do love you, but my son has the judgment. Read that, John 5. But if you look out there, you will say that there are no laws that exist. If you listen to this world today, everybody is saved. No matter what lifestyle you live, Sister Sue, you can be the most unrighteous lifestyle. I mean, you can be, let's get real this morning, the Sunday school class. I mean, you can be transgender, but that's how God designed you, but if God loves me, I'm going to heaven. You can be this alternative lifestyle. That's all right. God loves everybody. I'm going to heaven. Oh, you can commit acts of this and acts of that. You can do whatever comes under the sun in this day's world. And that's all right. God loves so much. He would never send anybody to hell. We're all going to heaven. I went to junior church at one time when I was a kid. I went to VBS. And that guy told me I was saved. So I'm saved. He told me I was. I'm eternally secure. I don't know what it means, but he told me I was. I don't know how I'm supposed to live it, but he told me I am. You know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I guess I do. You know, everybody's saved. But I want to inform you, the lost do exist. Because so much forth that Jesus right here begins to mention lost conditions. And the first one is the lost sheep. He talks about there's a hundred, but yet one goes astray. One wanders off. The lost sheep represents the lost condition. I want you to hear this. The lost sheep represents the lost condition of assumption. I've always been a sheep. That's what I was born. I've always been one of them. I've always been part of the crowd. They eat, I eat. They sleep, I sleep. They go right, I go right. They go left, I go right. Left. <laughs> Someone did tell me one time sheep are dumb, so there we go. But I do exactly what the whole crowd does because I'm one of the sheep. I just do what everybody else does. I go to church because that's what we do. I go to Sunday school because that's what we do. I worship because that's what everybody else is doing. I praise the Lord because that's what everybody else is doing. I do what they do. If they jump up and down and spin, I guess I'm supposed to jump up and down and spin. That got me dizzy. I don't think I can jump up and down and spin anymore, Kim. I mean, I do what the sheep do. That's what I've always done. Therefore, I'm saved. I'm one of the sheep. I just fit right in. I know some of you might think you're the black sheep, the one that don't fit in. But through this passage, Jesus was dealing with the aspect of the assumption that, that you are one, but in reality, you are not one. You're assuming, but not knowing. You're thinking, professing, but you're not possessing. You're just one of the sheep. Doing what every other sheep does. I mean, I'm not picking out. They all go back to eat. I guess we go back to eat. That's what the church folks do. They all come and sit down. We sit down. Leona stands up in a song. I guess that's what we're supposed to do now. Everybody else stand up as one of the sheep. Leona sits down. Guess we're supposed to sit down. Sister Smurf, sit down. If you're going left or right, they're going to follow you left or right. You're the lead sheep. You're right in front. In fact, your coat kind of has the black and white wool looking thing right there. Yeah, that's you. 
That's a good example. You did that on purpose. You got my phone call, didn't you? You're born a sheep. Never anything but a sheep. You act like all the other sheep do. But the problem is it tells us in John 10. My sheep know my voice. And they will not listen to another. My sheep know my voice. You may feel like you're one of the crowd, that you're one of the sheep, but do you really know the voice of the Savior? Do you really know his voice? Do you hear when he calls unto you and says, your life's not where it's supposed to be? You're not walking where I know that you need to be walking. I, as your shepherd, am calling out to you and saying, that is not profitable for your life. Yes, you're one of my sheep, but you're living on the aspect of assumption that my grandma goes to church, my mom goes to church, I went with them one time, so I'm one of the good sheep. No, do you know the Lord's voice? Have you heard him call unto you individually? Reach out to you and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I want you to have a relationship with me. Because my sheep know my voice. And another voice they will not listen to, not follow, as Andy was saying there. But we've got many of our sheep, Andy. They ain't following what I'm reading. They ain't following what I'm seeing. I mean, you got to listen to it today. I mean, we're talking about Sunday school. I mean, you can be polyamorous, non-binary, transgender. You can be anything and everything under the sun, but you're one of the sheep. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. But you're lost by assumption. Assumption is sending so many to the pits of hell. Assumption is sending those into a lost condition. But my sheep won't listen to another voice. But the good part about this is that good shepherd is seeking for you today that one sheep that has gone astray from the fold. Because he knows you're out there. He knows you exist. He knows you have a salvation that needs to occur. Because if he leaves you out there in the wilderness alone, what happens to the lone sheep? Ravenous wolves will come in and take advantage of and destroy this morning I tell you that if you're that one sheep that has wandered astray and by assumption and you're living and dealing out in the world, it's destroying you and you know it. It's tearing you apart and you know it. It tells us that in the word of God that the, the devil seeketh to devour like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know why the lions roar? Here's a little good fun fact. I would say mutual of all Omaha, Marlon Perkins, but only us old folks would know that. When the lion roars and the prey runs away for safety, guess where the lion's guiding them to? Those in the ambush ready to take. The roaring lion, that voice that you were testifying about, sister, wants you to run, wants you to hide, wants you to go elsewhere. But out there are ravenous wolves and roaring lions ready to devour once you run away from the safety of the shepherd's voice. 
See, you may have come to this church many, many times. You may have walked in this assembly many, many times. You may know the songs. You may know the verses. You may know the, how we do it. Every church kind of has their own characteristics of how they do things. You kind of got it. You've got the system down. This is what full gospel does. This is, what, this is when we do this. This is when we do that. I'm good. But like a lost sheep, you've never heard the Father's voice. You've never heard from the Lord telling you you need to be saved. Don't assume that you are saved just by association or by assumption. It tells us in the Old Testament passage, I don't have time to go there. I think it's somewhere in Ezekiel. I should have looked this up. But God tells us in his word that all souls are mine. They all belong to God. And he says, the unrighteous son of a righteous father will not be righteous. And the unrighteous father of a righteous son shall not be righteous. But each soul is individually responsible to God. Each soul. The sheep was lost because of assumption. See, sheep have a relationship with the shepherd. They hear when he calls. When that shepherd calls, come, eat, go. They immediately go because they know the shepherd's voice. But that one black sheep there, that one lost sheep, I think did not know the voice of the shepherd. All he knew was what all the other sheep did. All he knew was what everyone else did. All he knew was what we're supposed to do, what we do, this is what we do, what we've done, and what we always do. But he did not know the shepherd's voice. I encourage you this morning, the shepherd is calling. All need a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You need to know when he's speaking unto you. All need a relationship with the word of God as it speaks unto you. All need a relationship with the spirit of God as it ministers unto you. Three checkmates, three things, three safeguards to help a sheep not go astray. I don't know what more he can give. But many are lost by assumption. The lost coin. It says what woman does not have a coin? And when she is lost, it sweeps the whole house. Till she finds it. And when she finds it, she rejoices. Because she found that which was lost. The lost coin represents unto me. Those that become lost or are lost because of neglect. Taking advantage of that. Forgotten the value of that which was they once had. It was once so important to them. It meant everything to them. But after a while, it got common, it got ordinary, it got used to it, it got boring, it was no longer exciting. I mean, think about it. When I first came, boy, every song they sang was so exciting. Every worship thing was, but, you know, I've heard Andy sing that song before. It quite don't have what it used to have. And fact, in fact, you know, it's kind of boring now. Andy, you got to learn a new song. You know, but that's what happens. Or, 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 Kim, I like that song, but when you first sang it, it really ministered to me. But now you've done it like three times. It kind of does nothing for me now. I'm not saying that. You get what I'm saying, sis. <laughs> Betty, dig down into those other 5,000. You've done the top 4,000. You know, 
Just kidding. But, you know, we neglect it. We begin to neglect what God has done unto us and done in us. It becomes common. It becomes ordinary. You were once so excited to come into God's house and, and feel the Spirit of God move and He touched you and He ministered and, and you were getting those spiritual goosebumps up and down, right and left, back and forth. And boy, God was moving. God was touching. God was blessing. But now you come in and nothing happens. It's kind of getting boring. I need to go to another church that's got exciting stuff going on. My church is boring. So you begin to neglect it. You begin to neglect that precious salvation that you once had. It was so important to you. You treasured it more than anything. When you got saved, you were so excited. God's done a work in my life. I'm now saved. Boy, my life has been changed. Woo, I feel it. I'm so excited about it. Week two, I'm kind of excited about it. Week three, I don't know what I need to be excited about anymore. Week four, I'm not excited about anything. I guess i got to go find something else. You begin to neglect it. You neglect that prayer time. You once came to an altar of prayer, but now you don't pray anymore. You neglected the word that once began to speak unto you. Now you don't even read it. Well, I read it, but I can't understand it. It's, I'll just go let Tim explain it to me. Count up how many hours in a week and how much you have the opportunity to listen to Brother Tim. It's about 3%, 2% of your time. So the other percentage of your time, the world is feeding you so much that you're listening to and absorbing and tick-tocking and flip-flopping, whatever all those folks do now. But you've neglected it. It's no longer important to you. If nothing else comes up, yeah, I'll go down there and visit that church every once in a while. And I see it. But it's become neglected. That which was once of value no longer is created as a value. And to some, it even becomes a burden. We got to go to church. Oh, there's so much to do. So much around the house. I got this. I got that. I got this. There's so many other things. Man, church is getting in the way of my life, man. Church is just bumming me out. Other things become more important. Churches don't mean as much anymore. But that which once had so much value, now you look for it. You try to find it. You try to seek for it. You try to look for it. And guess what? That which you once possessed is now missing. And you know it. You know it's missing. You know it's not right between you and God. You know it's not what it should be. You know it's not what it means to be. It's not where it should be. It's missing. It's gone. It's neglected. It's no longer important. That which is of value now has no value to you. But once you would have cried your eyes out, begged, Oh, God done such a work in my life. Oh, I thank him so much. Six months later, three months later, you, you don't, even, don't even see folks sometimes. You want to know what one of the biggest jobs of the church is? Keeping church folks in church, keeping them saved. I know that sounds so archaic and bad, but it is truthful. I'm not saying we are keeping you saved. I cannot tell you the amount of folks that I have called that once sat here, maybe there, 
I'm just pointing at seats. Don't put people in your mind. Maybe there. Maybe there. I still remember the young man in that back corner. That you've called. You've asked. You've texted about. Hey, just hoping everything's okay. Letting you know we love you and you miss you. Either you get no response at all. Hey, if you're going to another assembly, God bless you. Grow where God has planted you. Not being church police here, but letting you know somebody thought about you today. You get no response at all, or you get the response, I'm good. Just got a lot of things going on now with the fam and the kids and blah, 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 blah. And then when those kids hit about 14, 16, 18, and they're out in the world and fully possessed by the world, where do they come back to church? Oh, my kids are a mess. They've TikToked their whole life, and now they're a bunch of dingbats. There's, my kids are out of control. My kids have gone nuts. Well, you took them to the nut house. What do you think is going to happen? You gave them to the world. Sorry, it's your age, sis. You don't need to be on TikTok. They're going to mess up your knick-knock up here. <laughs> and we know it's got some work to do yet, right? But we hand our children these open Google boxes that allow the whole world to be accessed unto them. And then we wonder why they become as the world. Why do the lost act lost? Because they are lost. We try to justify them and bring them in and say, well, they're just struggling. They're going through some things, right? They're trying to find themselves. Purple hair will do it. Pink hair will make me find myself. I don't know, maybe some, you think I should get some blonde highlights this? Oh, she's saying yes. Oh, come on, you know how stupid I'd look. I already said one time, I asked one of the young people if I should wear skinny jeans and said, oh, please, no. <laughs> but that which was once valued, you've neglected it. Admit it. It's not important to you anymore. That coin which was once so precious, now it's placed to the wayside and you don't even know where it is. You couldn't even tell it where it was if you had to go find it right now. I'll tell you where you lost the coin, right where you left the coin. There's a passage in the Bible where Jesus' parents come looking for him. They say, do you not know that we sought for you, that we were looking for you? And he says, how was it that you looked for me? You should have known where I was. I'm about my father's business. I'm right where you left me. I was here with you. You left. I stayed. Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. You've neglected him. You've neglected his word. You've neglected his spirit. You've neglected everything he's given unto you to help you to walk this Christian life. But like that lost coin, you've neglected it. The last state of lostness is one of the most devastating of all. And we've all seen it. The prodigal son was lost for one condition and one reason only. That mean old heart of rebellion. Everything dad represented, he didn't like. Everything dad gave me, I don't want that anymore. Everything the father offered him, I'm tired of that old man telling me, I'm going to get out on my own. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to be me. I'm going to find me because I know what me need. And I know what me is. And I know what me want. And dad, what you got is not what I want. Just give me my money, honey, and let me run and have some funny. That's what he did. 
took his money, went a runny, and had a whole bunch of funny. That spirit of rebellion is so rampant in the hearts and minds of so many within the world today. Rebelling against everything of God. And you may say, you're kind of out there, DJ. You're kind of whack. You tell me that this new woke agenda that they're slamming down your throat is not in rebellion to the word of God. If you tell me that it is in alignment with the word of God, what book are you reading? You're reading the Reader's Digest version because you ain't reading what I've read. It ain't gray. It's all black and white or red. But there are so many that are in total rebellion to that of God. Everything that he's designed, everything that he's created, everything that he's made, they are in total rebellion 100%. And whether you know it or not, you're right in the midst of a total rebellion in this world. Think about it this last week. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school. To you ladies out here, guess who your woman of the year was this year, girls? Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender guy. That was your woman of the year this year. Wow. Did you all celebrate and have a big party? That was your woman of the year. I'm not for glorious statement, but bring me her back. At least she believed in the power of woman and the value of a woman. Now we don't even know what a woman is. If he comes in here tomorrow and said he's pregnant, I'm supposed to say, well, congratulations. Good luck on your new baby because men can now have babies. When? I don't know. <laughs> twins. He's going to have twins. But we laugh about it and joke about it, but do you not see a spirit of rebellion in this world? And you think, oh, that's not going to happen. Well, let me throw this one at you. You know how easy it was for them to control you? You all had masks on and you weren't going nowhere. They had you controlled and you didn't even know it. They threw the mask on your face. You're going to breathe on somebody, they're going to get sick. And you stayed in that house, you stayed in that building, and you shuttered in and said, well, they ain't got me. Oh, they got you. You didn't go to work. You didn't go to church. You didn't go anywhere because you were masked up and you were hidden and gone. And the government had you and controlled you. Scary, isn't it? Scary, isn't it? Just wait. Now they've seen how to do it. Now they've got the plan. Now they try it out. You were the, what is it, Chris, when you do your experience? You were the beta subject. Wait till they release the full version. This world is in total rebellion. And not only that, there are loved ones within our families that are in total rebellion. They were raised in church. They were one of the 99 they were one of those precious coins. They were raised, but they are totally rebelling against everything of God. They are totally running away from everything of God. They're going unto the world and into the world, and you know it, and I know it, and we've seen it. It is totally destroying them. Their lives are in ruin. Their lives are in wreck because of the spirit of rebellion that exists within them. Can a Christian be rebellious? You bet you can. You sure can. God can begin dealing with you and convicting you of something and you kind of brush it off. 
well, that's not for me. That's for the pastor. That's for Andy. That's for someone else. That's for Sister Karen. God's revealed that to me as I was reading his word, and God told me that. But, you know, that's not for me. I rebel against that. God told me I need to pray more. Well, I don't have time, so I rebel against that. God told me I need to read his word because it says, hide the word in your heart that you might not sit against him. But I don't have time, and I don't have heart. I have a hard time understanding it because it's all those big fancy these and thous and thuses, and I just don't get it. So I'll just let Sister Maria on Thursday night tell me what it says. you know, Or I'll let my Sunday school teacher tell me what it says. I don't have time. <coughs> you know, I'm, I'm busy. So as everything God leads you and directs you and gives unto you, you push that aside and you rebel against it. And before you know it, you find you're out in the world and the world's consumed you and destroyed you and taken you away and you're lost through the spirit of rebellion. All manifestation sin basically comes down to a spirit of rebellion. You're rejecting Christ, God's will in your life and you're rebelling against it and that which you're in is one of those manifestations of that rebellion. A lot of deep words there. If you want to talk about it later, we can. But those manifestations come out in many ways. Transgender, homosexual, this or this, alcoholic, drug addict. So many of those manifestations are a rebellion against what God designed for you, but you're seeking the world first. But the lost son came to himself. The lost coin was found, the lost sheep. So this kind of tells us this. That Jesus acknowledges that the lost exists, but I want to tell you this. Jesus cares for the lost. You matter to him. You matter to him more than anything. And whether you want to believe it or not, you matter more as much as the 99, if not even more. Because Jesus would leave the 99 to come find you. Jesus will leave the 99 to seek you. Andy shared with us about a month ago, a month or two, about how that he was kind of in that rebellion, right? Mean, ornery, and we just, and he told me later, you don't know a tenth of it or half of it. But he was exhibiting that, not stealing your thunder, but it's open out here. But Andy talked about that, and he sought you. I think he found you in your car maybe or something like that. Sitting with Sue Ann. Now, if you're lost, you cannot go sit with Sue Ann. You get your own Sue Ann. <laughs> but I'm sure Annie would gladly let you sit there if that's what you needed. She'll direct you where you need to go. But he found he was in rebellion, and God revealed unto him that he needed to be saved. You thought you were probably, you probably thought, I don't know, you probably thought you were one of the sheep, right? Yeah, BBS, he got saved. He was one of the sheep. He knew what to do. He came here probably more than the pastor did. You bowed when they bowed, you moved when they moved, you ate when they ate, you jumped when they jumped, you spun when they spun, you flipped when they flopped. You had it all figured out. But then one day, Jesus who cared for him was calling, says, I want you. My lost sheep, my lost coin, my lost son, I want you. Because Jesus cares for the lost. Not only does he care for the lost, he seeks and to save that which is lost. He wants you this morning. You may feel that no one else wants me. No one else even cares. But Jesus does because he seeks for the lost. And lastly, 
Heaven rejoices over one that is found. Oh, you talk about a rejoicing. Heaven rejoices over one that is found when the Lord deals with them and comes to they come to the saving knowledge. I'm not going to ask the musicians to come yet. But in closing, you may be one of those sheep. You might be one of the sheep. See, 99 others in here didn't need to hear this message this morning, but you as that one sheep did because you matter. And the Lord, through his spirit and through his work, has come to tell you today that I'm seeking for you. You matter to me. Or you may be like that one that feels neglected. You've not only neglected your salvation, but you feel neglected. Nobody cares for me. Nobody loves me. I don't matter to anybody. You do. I know I pester people to death. I know that I get on their nerves. I know that bothers them. But I see coins, sheep, and sons that belong in these seats. I see sheep, coins, and sons that belong in these sheep seats. And I'm going to confess to you more than anything. Yeah, they wear you out. Running after that lost sheep, man, you get tired. You get weary. You get burdened. But if you don't go, who is there to go? That lost coin, that one that is neglected. I love you all. I do. I mean that in a good way. I hope that you understand that. But I know 99% of you is pretty good. But my heart goes out to, and I'm not, I won't say names, but that kid that used to sit in the back seat that no one ever talked to. Or that one that visited for a few weeks and no one knows where they are now. That one that came in and even came to an altar of prayer and accepted the Lord as their Savior, but now we don't even know their name or where they're at or what's going on. To me, those are sheep. Those are coins. Those are sons. You know what the scariest thing that someone said they would ever dream about or experience? You know what the most scary thing is? Jerry, if I may use you for an example. You're in heaven and you're dreaming about all the wonderful things. But you see loved ones pass you on their way to hell. They were your sheep. They were your coins. They were your sons. I know they wear us out, guys. I know. They may come to an altar a thousand times. They may do things. They may, I don't know. But you know what? They're lost. They're lost. They're going to act lost. They're going to act that way because they're lost. Remember, you once were also lost. The Spirit of God has told us and He's telling us, and I am not in any way, shape, or form hoping that this comes across as pastoral because that is not my job. That is Tim's job. But this does come across as evangelical. 99, you need to go find your sheep. 99, you need to go find your coins. 99, you need to find your sons. Get busy, 99. 
Because if not, the world is going to destroy them. To the 99 that this message maybe wasn't for, this part is for you. There are people that you know that belong in those seats that you once talked to, that you witnessed to, that you testified to, that you loved as a brother in Christ. You rejoiced when they came to an altar of prayer. You cried with them. You raised with them. You met them in an altar of prayer. You showed them the manner of salvation, but they're not here any longer, and you know they're not going anywhere else. There are 99. We need to go get our sheep. There are coins. We need to go find our coins. There are sons and there are daughters that we need to get back and bring back into the house of God. You need to reach out to them and tell them that you love them, you desire them, and I know they're going to not listen to you. They're not going to care. You're going to think they're going to ignore you. They're going to get annoyed at you. But if you don't tell them you love them and the world tells them they love them, they're going to go to the world. But the world's love is a false love. It is a destructive love. It is a damaging love. But the word of God has a pure love, a righteous love, a creative love. Remember, unrighteousness that they're in will always be destructive unto them. But righteousness will always create in them a new heart. I know you've talked to that guy. I know you've talked to that girl. I know you've talked to that wife maybe. You've talked to that husband. I know, I know, I know. But guess what? They're your sheep. They're your coin. They're your son. Let's get busy about the Father's business. God bless you. Thank you for your time. Whoever has a song, I don't know if Reagan has something she can do. But I pray this evening, this morning, as you listen to the altar call, I am not going to beat you to death and tell you you need to come pray and try to work the emotions up. If you're lost this morning and you're the one that that voice has gone out to, that message has gone out to, don't waste any time. Come to an altar of prayer and tell the Lord you need to come back unto him. If you need prayer with those that you don't know, that you need to witness to, that you need to love on, we'll pray with you to encourage you and help you in that. But we as a church need to remember our brothers and sisters. But as they sing, I know that Brother Buttram has some serious needs going on. So saints, for those of you that can, we're going to pray for Brother Buttram. But also, if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, the altars are open and the pews are and the pews can be empty. We thank you for your time, sisters, as you sing. Let's remember Brother Ken in prayer. Saints of God, prayer warriors, let's get up here with Brother Ken. I've carried a burden.
some of our sheep, some of our coins, some of our sons are coming to pray. Let's join them. Let's pray with them and pray for them to encourage them. They need you. If they don't have you, they have the world to help them. They need you. 
their brothers and their sisters. They don't need the world. They need you. Come join them in prayer. We've got a young lady over here. We've got Brother um, Josh, I believe it is. I went brain dead. Apology. Brother Ken needs a physical touch. We've got a brother over here. They're our family. They're the ones that are filling these pews, and we need them. So sing another verse. Keep going, sir. You saw my condition and had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption is the price for my I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding for a reason. seldom say anything, you know, like stand up and testify and things, but you got to be me standing up here. And when I look out there, you the one thing that just hit me, you know what I see? I see love. Didn't two people come up here or five people, but they all came up and they're praying for me. And I appreciate that. This, this guy right here, he'll tell you. I led him to the Lord when he was nine years old. Amen. That, ain't, that ain't something you brag about, but because I never mentioned it, but it's, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. And the day he's praying for me, Amen. and I wouldn't even know what to say when I stand up here. I always, I always say a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, and it seems like it never comes out. When I go home, I say, why did you say what you said? And look at this guy here. And then this guy here, I like a person who's not ashamed of God, who'll jump up. If he feel like he needs to run and act like an idiot, that's fine. Because you know what? That's what you do. You get plumb crazy when you, start, when you fall in love with Jesus. But I want to thank you guys for praying for me, remembering me when I'm not here. And I'm trying to make it. I had to come today because I was afraid next week might, might be. Now that you prayed, I'm not so sure, but <laughs> might have been a little worse and I wouldn't be able to make it. And I do want to be here when I can. Amen. God bless you. But I thank you for praying for me. But I do that all the time. I speak the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I speak, you, you get to the point where you speak it a lot because you know what? That's the only thought, that's the only thing that will come out of your mouth. It's all about Jesus. I'm, I, can, I can walk, I, just that I got a little weak sitting over there. I have to have a cool rag on my head but otherwise I'll pass out you know but I'm doing good and I want to thank each one of you individually most of a lot of you people were here when this church started I was here January 1st 1989 long time ago but appreciate you guys don't want you to feel sorry for me I want you to pray for me and as, as I mentioned to my friend over here when you come to the forks, take it. You don't know which one you're going, but God will be right there to direct you. Which one you're going to go is the way you're going. And as I mentioned to Sue, God doesn't make mistakes. I can't, I can't get mad at him. I, I come all this way because of him. So 
things don't go the way we anticipated, let's just say, you know what? God is still God. Amen. Amen. So I'm not upset about it. I talk to my kids about it. I, I kind of feel for Becky and Matthew more than I do myself because I, I know what they'll have to go through. But I love all you guys. I don't tell you enough now. I don't. I don't just say I love you. And this guy over here in the corner, he may never get a chance to do what he was going to do. He said, today he beats me. Now, I know he can beat me, but today, he said, today I get to beat you in golf. He said, if you've got one arm tied behind you and a patch over one eye, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up and tell the church. And about 25, 27 years ago, his dad was sitting back there in a wheelchair. I went back and hugged him. That's how long we've been friends that long. You know what? Friends are special. Relationship is special, but if you get a friend, what's this song say? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Congregation, I just want to say something to you before you get out here this morning. A lot of prayer, a lot of hearts come out, but I can see here this morning some lost sons and some lost sheep, and that were one time we just kept praying for them and thought they'd never get in, but they're here today. And there's others we want to keep remembering. We got a young lady over here that's coming to the Lord, I believe. We got someone here for healing. We got others for this. We got over here people praying, Sister. Um, Cindy and, and Heath and then we're praying. But let's continue to remember these needs. Dear Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for what you do for us. We praise you to God for all the work that you've done this morning. We ask that you would minister to these needs at these altars, dear God. Touch these hearts. Touch these lives. Let them know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If there's a son, if there's a coin, if there's a sheep, if there's someone that feels that they don't matter, let them know today in the name of Jesus they do. Sue Ann, what's that young girl's name? Hey, guys. Kylie, I believe, is one of those lost sheep that came in this morning. You make sure you go over there and love on her. She needs to know she's got a family that loves on her. Her mom and dad don't come to church here. She needs you to be her leaders and her love and let her know. You go over there and you give a hug to Sister Kylie this morning. God bless you. Thank you for your time.